3: Welcome back, friends. Just in time for the Yuletide festivities. Even Chester's full of holiday spirit. Ain't that right, pal? How you get that Santa hat to stay on your head is a real enigma, Chester. Must be Christmas magic. Theater of the mind, friends. Come on in. Let's get this party started. Hmm. That's better. So, we've got a very special episode tonight, coming courtesy of our friend K Trap Jones of The Evil Cookie Publishing. The Evil Cookie publishes some of the goriest, most depraved, and finest horror writers in the industry, and tonight's author meets those criteria like none other. It's Edward Lee. Whoa! <laughs> oh. D- That's some good eggnog. <laughs> so smoke them if you got them and drink those glasses to the bottom, friends, because old Drew Blood has a tale to tell Oh, hey, I didn't see you there.
1: You know,
0: Drew Blood's Dark Tales is only one of the many shows on this network you could be listening to. We hope you'll subscribe to our entire lineup, including Chilling Tales for Dark Nights, Scary Stories Told in the Dark, Fear from the Heartland, And Horror Hill, all available on YouTube or your favorite podcast platform. Also, visit simplyscarypodcast.com to become a patron. For as little as $5 a month, you get our entire catalog ad free and available to download or stream. A bargain. And now, back to the show.
3: Tonight's tale of Christmas magic is best enjoyed around a warm fire with friends and family as long as none of your friends and family are kids, faint of heart, or easily offended. And that's the closest thing to a disclaimer I'm willing to read. So without further delay, I give you, from author Edward Lee, Here Comes Santa Claus. Harry and Lucy were allowed to sit up later than the norm because, jingle bells, jingle bells, it was Christmas Eve, and what night of any throughout the year could be more joyous for two children such as these? Harry was six, and like most little boys in his age group, he was prone to naivety. He still wore pajamas with the feet in them, and he still insisted that the crust be cut off of his PB and J's. Lucy on the other hand was 11 and quite a bit more precocious than most 11 year old girls. Physical descriptions of the two are hardly necessary as by now this old author would rather fucking kill himself than harness any more creative energy to describe children. Just now Harry and Lucy were sitting before the crackling fire above which all the family stockings were lined up. A Happy Holidays garland was draped over the front windows, and the Christmas tree stood in the corner, its myriad lights blinking. Harry and Lucy were eating recently baked sugar cookies covered with green and red sprinkles. Lucy began asking rather snidly. What do you want for Christmas? Harry's eyes filled with wonder. Um, I want the Paw Patrol Aqua Pups Well Patroller. Lucy smirked.
1: That's for fucking sissies. It is not, and you used the f-word. If I told Dad you used the f-word, you'd be in big trouble. Yeah, but you won't tell Dad I used the f-word, Lucy assured. Cause if you do, I'll conk you in the fucking head with Mom's rolling pin. Then I'll kick your little dick and balls so hard, they'll go back inside your body, and you'll have a cunt. Harry's
3: six-year-old face bloomed in shock, and he pointed.
1: You you just used the S-word, the F-word, the D-word, and the C-word all at the same time. Yeah, I did. Lucy gloated. And you're not gonna tell anyone, because you know what'll happen if you do. I'll pop your little nuts like grapes, and I'll bet that's what they're the size of.
3: Grapes. Harry was about to make a defiant retort until he took note of the batshit crazy look in his sister's eyes.
1: I guess I'd better not say anything. Well? Lucy said next. Aren't you gonna ask me what I want for Christmas? Um, well, okay. What do you want for Christmas? Pussy hair and a rack
3: of tits. Harry nearly fell over now.
1: Sandy can't bring stuff like that.
3: After a ruminating pause, Lucy whooped. Are you
1: shitting me? You don't still believe in Santa Claus, do you? Sure I do.
3: Harry made a funny face.
1: Why not? Because there is no Santa Claus, you stupid dick shit.
3: Harry had never heard anything so ridiculous in his life.
1: Why are you talking about? Santa comes every Christmas Eve and leaves presents under our tree. We even saw him that one time, remember? That was fucking dad, you turnip head, Lucy informed. Mom made him dress up in the Santa suit so we'd think Santa was real.
3: Harry could scarcely contemplate such a preposterous suggestion.
1: It wasn't Dad. It was Santa. He comes every year. He brings us presents. He eats the cookies we leave out.
3: Lucy smirked as if at a mouthful of lemon juice.
1: Dad does all that shit, moron. So his little pussified son will think there's a real Santa Claus. Stop saying stupid shit.
3: Harry's consciousness seemed to hover over him. Could this be true? No. Santa leaves presents for all the other kids, too. It couldn't be Dad doing it. I don't believe you. You're making
1: that up. Yeah, and you've got dog shit for brains, Harry. Lucy
3: crunched into another cookie.
1: Bull hockey, I'm gonna go ask Dad right now. You better not. You might ninja his nut. Huh? Dad's busy. Right now, he's upstairs putting the blocks to Mom.
3: More confusion screwed up Harry's youthful face.
1: Putting what? Blocks? What's that?
3: Lucy rolled her eyes. You know,
1: boffin. He's boffin' mom.
3: I heard him. Harry was getting mad. He'd never heard these weird words before. What the heck is boffin'? Lucy was incredulous.
1: Geez, don't they teach you anything in the first grade? It's fucking, you know. You know what fucking is, right? Dad puts his dick in mom's panty hamster. Then he has this thing called an orgasm. It makes this white stuff come out. That's what he and Mom are upstairs doing right now. They do it cause it feels good. Mom's on the pill now. That way she can't make any more babies. Perplexity ran rampant
3: in Harry's psyche. That's crazy. Babies aren't made. A stork brings them. The glare Lucy shot at her brother could only be described as absolutely bellicose. I've seen shit stains that are smarter than you. Kids as dumb
1: as you don't deserve to live fuck, and shit. You still believe in Santa Claus? That's pathetic. You tell me, asshole, how does Santa fit down the chimney? It's impossible. He's too fucking fat. And if Santa flies around every Christmas Eve when it's cold, how come he don't freeze to death? Oh, and let's not forget, there are 7 billion people on earth, and according to Google, 2 billion of them are kids. How the fuck can Santa deliver presents to two billion kids in one night? For Harry, it was a no-brainer. Simple. It's magic. It's Christmas magic. And with this rebellious
3: response, Lucy lost control. Here's some Christmas magic, you little fuckface. She leapt forward, put Harry in a headlock, and commenced to inflict that dreaded punishment known to all bullies as the Dutch rub. Harry squealed and struggled while Lucy's cruel knuckles rubbed hard against his scalp.
1: Stop it! Stop it!
3: Harry wailed. Yeah, I'm stopping it, see? But of course, she only increased the ferocity of her actions. Harry began to cry.
1: Oh, he's crying now.
3: Lucy chortled.
1: Like the little baby sissy pants he is. Her knuckles rubbed and rubbed and rubbed. I won't stop until you say it. Say there is no Santa. Go on, say it.
3: Harry was sobbing, blubbering like, well, like a little baby sissy pants. But eventually, when the pain became too unbearable, he managed to croak out.
1: All right. <laughs> there is no Santa. There is no Santa.
3: Alas, such are the miseries of childhood for some. There's nothing worse than a bully, especially a girl bully. Now, it would be an exercise in superfluousness to say that Lucy was a mean, hostile little bitch. Those disreputable traits would follow her well into adulthood, and let me assure you that she would eventually get her comeuppance in reality. Perhaps at some future time I will have occasion to tell you about it. But for the sake of immediacy and relevance, we must get back to the problem at hand. The problem of Santa. Santa. Santa, for those of you too stupid and arrogant and soul-dead to acknowledge it, was very, very real. And right now, the great jolly red-suited man with an air of alarm thought, for fuck's sake. You see, just at that moment, Santa's trek to deliver toys to over two billion kids on the planet was being thwarted in grand style by a storm of catastrophic magnitude. It was one of those ball-busting storms known as a nor'easter, complete with cyclonic winds of 100 miles per hour. Funny thing was, Santa had checked with the weather bureau, and those hot, big-tit, whole-bag meteorologists had predicted nothing of the sort. The fucking cunts don't know what they're talking now, Santa thought with more than a little ire. I'll bet they flip coins to decide the weather. Be that as it may, this storm was a doozy. It was almost as if some otherworldly force had deliberately thrown this nor'easter right into Santa's trajectory. As if something, some design that might even be called evil, meant to purposely redirect Santa's official track. Hmm. His three hundred and fifty pounds self hung madly onto the reins of his eight reindeer hitch, and for a moment his efforts to keep the sleigh from flipping over in midair seemed frightfully insufficient. And one little detail needs to be mentioned: Santa, for the first time in the history of his immemorial existence, was scared shitless. I, I can't die, can I? I'm fucking Santa! Wow! Little Harry was quite correct. God bless him. Santa was able to traverse the entire globe, deliver toys to two billion kids, squeeze down incalculable chimneys, and eat tons of Christmas cookies. All in one night, mind you. Thanks to the preternatural provision of goodwill known as Christmas magic. It had worked every Christmas Eve night for eons and always without any problems. Until tonight, that is. He squinted up ahead, but the snow prevented him from making out even the slightest tint of Rudolph's nose. Donner and Dasher were both swaying violently in the wind. In fact, all of the reindeer were shitting out considerable reindeer turds in terror. The icy snow stung Santa's eyes and accumulated on his beard and bushy white eyebrows, while the storm itself released such a cacophony that he couldn't even hear himself cogitate the dangerous potential of this predicament. Fuck this shit, man, he thought, and then for the first time ever, Santa actually pissed himself, and you can bet that eggnoggy urine froze up his crotch in no long time. The harder he tried to keep the reindeer on course, the more off course they got. And in the next moment, he felt the reindeer and the sleigh shift hard to one side, almost like a transfer switch on train tracks. Next thing Santa knew, he and his reindeer were veering hard to the left. The g-force of this sudden action caused Santa to pass out, but not before he made out a split-second glimpse of the bizarre meteorological anomaly just before him. It was a radiant, coruscating thing, quite like a hole in the raging sky, and this hole, or perforation, or aperture, or whatever it was, seemed to bear the configuration of a pentagram.
0: You can live out your master chef dream when you find a professional on Angie to tackle your dream kitchen remodel.
3: Bits of violent coffin and a stupefying stench were what jerked Santa awake from a nightmare like an endless black pall. Fucking A, he thought. He felt suffocating in a swarm of intolerable heat and humidity. He could taste the humidity's noxious incipience, which grimly reminded him of that time long ago when Mrs. Claus had inadvertently served him a cup of her famous eggnog that had gone bad an acrid, slimy taste that had nearly turned his stomach inside out. He actually came very close to giving Mrs. Claus a few swipes of the back of his hand, he was so pissed, and laying some hard, spitless butt rape on the old bitch right there in front of the elves. But of course, he forbore the impulse. Santa is not a wife-beater, nor a rapist. His eyes clicked open, and he hacked again at the dreadful stench which one might think of as an evil blend of mammalian decomposition and the worst conceivable body odor, like that perhaps of the crotch of a homeless person who hadn't washed in a year, but magnified a thousandfold. And where was he? He couldn't guess, but one thing was certain. He was no longer in the winter sky, jingling his sleigh bells as he embarked on his yearly duty of delivering toys to all the good little girls and boys. Instead, he was indoors somewhere, and at first all his eyes detected were vague splays of orangish-reddish light floating amid a background of sheer blackness. Fuck, he reasoned, this must be a nightmare. No such luck for Santa, because when, after a great deal of exertion, he managed to lumber out of the parked sleigh and stand on his feet, he knew that he was standing in the realm of something solid and very real. The heat, beyond all doubt, was real, and so intense that he frantically shrugged out of his ridiculous red and white weight Santa tunic before he expired from fucking heatstroke. However, he saw fit to leave on the equally ridiculous Santa cap with the white puffball on the end. Why? It just seemed the right thing to do. Sweat immediately began to drip from his great hairy man tits. Staggering, he stepped forward to check his eight reindeer, which all stood severely drooping in their harnesses. Even Rudolph's nose was out, so debilitated was this fine magical animal. Rudolph veered his magnificent head around to look pleadingly at Santa, as if to ask, what the hell's going on, Santa? But all Santa could do was shrug and uselessly pat the animal's head, as if in some attempt at consolation. Santa's vision seemed to be restoring itself to some degree, and though his normally hardy team of reindeer now stood miserable and wobbling, the famous sleigh appeared to be intact and so did that wondrous magic toy sack which sat stuffed to overflowing in the back of the sleigh. Eventually, his memory slid back into his head. I was on my way, and all of a sudden I flew into the middle of a storm, and then… Then something seemed to take over where I was going, and... and... I saw... What? I saw a hole in the sky. A glowing hole. Shaped like... But that was impossible, wasn't it? He pushed a malefic consideration out of his head and focused on the here and now. He looked around in the gaseous orange-red light. He seemed to be in a very wide and very long room with what appeared to be a common cement floor and common cinder block walls. These walls extended perhaps 100 yards in front of him. It was actually 66 yards ahead of him for anyone interested in more precise details, where they ended at a great segmented wall fitted with iron bolts and a row of rectangular windows across the top. These windows were filled with the previously noted dark throbbing light, and at once Santa began to cautiously step forward in order to discern exactly what this strange wall might be. After proceeding far enough, he realized it was no wall at all, but a door. It was an immense garage-type door with wheeled tracks overhead, the kind of door one might expect to find just before the loading dock of a giant warehouse. What the hell am I doing in a giant warehouse? I should be traveling all over the world right now delivering Christmas presents. Indeed, but that was not the case. He looked for a button or a pull rope of some kind to try and open the garage door, but there was nothing. Realizing then the fruitlessness of his surveillance, he turned around and began to walk back toward the reindeer in his sleigh. But... (coughs) He bellowed, bending over and reaching for his foot. Motherfucker! He had stepped on a nail, and a very unlikely nail it was. It was sticking up out of the cement floor, embedded there, embedded in the cement. He shouted louder when he lifted his booted foot off the nail. Did it hurt? Well, even to an extraordinary entity like Santa Claus, it hurt like the Dickens. Rage crossed his eyes and jacked up his blood pressure. He could feel veins beating in his forehead while blood looped out of the hole in his boot. (sighs) Who the fuck, he roared, embeds nails in a cement fucking floor that people walk on. It was no surprise that he received no answer, so grimacing he hopped back to the sleigh. The poor reindeer were still breathing hard and wobbly, all looking to Santa in the expectation that their master would somehow relieve their respiratory anguish. All Santa did was cough loudly from his own (laughs) respiratory anguish. He limped past the hitch and scowled, visually searching for some clue that might reveal the secret of where he was. He followed the cinder block wall into more murky, barely lit darkness. If he had had, say, a flashlight, he might have noticed something very untoward about the cinder blocks. They had been made with concrete mixed with bone fragments and teeth, some of which were human, and some of which were not. Uh, What the fuck is this place? As Santa plodded onward, the heat worsened, and from some illimitable distance, he thought he heard a resonant metallic clanging the sound of machinery and even possibly shouting. A few more steps, however, brought him to a cinder block hallway on the right, and at the end of that hallway stood a steel door of some kind over which hung a single bare light bulb. Let's check this out, thought Santa. Perhaps this door might lead to some answers. Maintaining caution, he limped toward the door, but suddenly a voice issued from nowhere as if he had stepped on a tape switch or something of the sort.
1: Welcome to Antechamber One of the Alfred Krupp Industrial Complex.
3: The Alfred fucking what? Santa thought. This was getting nuttier by the minute, but as he limped farther along, he noticed that the upcoming door was quite bizarre. It was oblong but with rounded corners and was fringed with iron bolts. Moreover, instead of a doorknob, it had a round wheel in the center, like on a submarine. Fuck it, thought Santa, with quite a bit of aggravation. I don't know what the fuck is going on here, but I'm damn well gonna find out. Sweat glazed his fat, hairy back and brawny arms. He turned the wheel in the door until it clicked, then pulled the door open. While he certainly expected more fucked upness, he instead stood there, staring forward in wonder. For one thing, cool fragrant air gusted out at him, but for another... How wonderful! He found himself looking down another hallway, but this one was strewn with garlands of blinking green and red Christmas lights. And crossing overhead was a silvery sign that read, Merry Christmas... Delighted, Santa moved forward, closed the door behind him to shut out the stench and heat, and again, as if he had stepped on a tape switch or crossed a motion detector, joyous music streamed out from somewhere, and it was music he couldn't be happier to hear. Rudolph the red-nosed reindeer had a very shiny nose. Santa smiled ear to ear. Finally, things looked like they were turning around. The lively Rudolph song followed him down the hall until he came to another door, this one normal, with a regular knob. He opened it, and more wonder. Within was a large room full of Christmas decor. Flashing green and red lights festooned the walls, and more garlands looped down off the ceiling. Happy Holidays, Merry Christmas, there's no place like home for the holidays. And in this room, the Jingle bell song was playing. The room reminded him of all those Kris Kringle shops he'd see every Christmas when he delivered toys to Germany. The floor was covered with festive green and white throw rugs, each embroidered with remarks such as, We wish you a Merry Christmas, Silver Bells, Have a Holly Jolly Christmas, and the like. Heavily decorated Christmas trees of all shapes and sizes had been placed everywhere, adorned with the most delightful ornaments in the Christmas tradition. Several happy plastic snowmen appeared to be greeting Santa with great smiles and charcoal eyes. There was a robust crackling fireplace whose mantle was strung up with red and white stockings stuffed to bursting with gifts. More garlands looped overhead, strings of green and red popcorn, Hell, Santa realized, this place looks better than my place. A new cheerful holiday wonder blossomed before him each time he turned. First, a two-story French country-style Christmas dollhouse, all with the appropriate decorations. He looked into the living room window and saw a smiling mother and father apparently telling holiday stories to a little toy boy and girl in pajamas. On the wall, a cuckoo clock ticked but it was painted red, green, and white, and instead of pine cones hanging from its pendulums, there were candy canes. On the hour then, the little door snapped open and out popped a bird in a scarf and little Santa cap, and instead of cuckooing, it rejoiced, Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas. Lovely, Santa exclaimed. Next, he found a jack-in-the-box painted with Christmas motifs. Santa's inner child was unable to resist. He picked up the box and began to crank it. Instead of the typical Pop Goes the Weasel song, it played Silent Night, and at the end of the crank, POP! It was not even a clown that sprang out, but an exuberant Santa. How cool, he thought. He couldn't wait to meet whoever was responsible for this merry, delightful room.
1: Hello there,
3: he called out. Is anybody here? There was no reply, but there must be somebody here somewhere. Who would make the effort to put together such a beautiful Christmas room and then leave? Over in a corner was an elaborate toy train set on a great winter landscape, covered with faux snow and fitted with little pine trees. A little toy man rang a bell and said, In another corner stood a smiling Santa mannequin holding out two holly-entwined buckets full of gingerbread men. Santa thought, Fuck it. I'm Santa fucking Claus. Why shouldn't I? And he broke a leg off of a gingerbread man and ate it. And, Holy McGillicuddy! It was the most delicious gingerbread he had ever tasted. Next, he noticed a curious apparatus on a large circular table in yet another corner. Hmm, what have we here? He approached a sprawling device which consisted of brass wheels, knobs, and levers. Overhead hung a lens of some sort connected to an upreaching metal column that extended into the ceiling. It was impossible not to investigate more closely. A brass plaque was cursively engraved with this. Camera Obscura, property of Mr. M. J. Gingold, Esquire, circa 1880. My gracious, realized Santa, this is quite an antique. There was a switch on the overhead flue that housed the lens, so Santa took the liberty of flicking it. He was at once amazed by the spectacle presented. In a split second, the lens had projected down onto the table a light-filled display unlike anything he had ever seen. It was a miniature view of a quaint village, a Christmas village, and it was like looking down onto a meticulously detailed and stunningly illuminated map. Neatly kept houses lined cheery snow-patched streets, and each and every house blinked with untold multicolored Christmas lights, while most sported snowmen and various other types of holiday yard decor. When Santa squinted down, more amazement welled up in him, for he noticed this was no map or a piece of unique artwork, but a somehow telescopic presentation of a genuine town populated with living people. Yes, real live people, all garbed in winter attire, and many wearing Santa caps or straps of bells, moved about in the display, greeting one another in a celebration of holiday jubilation. Groups of children, too, all scarf-wrapped, were evident and under the supervision of adults, of course, roved themselves from house to house, singing Christmas carols. The overhead flue of this captivating device obviously extended up to the roof of the building, in league with some kind of telescope which commanded a view of the entire village. What an ingenious machine, Santa rejoiced. With unabated enthusiasm, he turned to hunt for more fascinating objects that might exist in the room, when Santa's heart nearly stopped at the introduction of a surprise shock. Two bare, slender arms wrapped around him from behind, and he felt what could only be a kiss planted on the side of his neck. What the?
1: Merry Christmas!
3: came an excited female voice, and then those soft hands turned Santa around. Holy moly! Santa's jaw nearly hit the floor when his vision was able to feast upon the provocatively dressed and bodied woman who snuck up behind him. This was a woman whom sexist pigs would declare a nut bucket or a brick fucking shithouse. In fact, the crude appellations were, if anything, an underestimation of the features of sexual attraction that nature had granted her. All she wore were shiny green high heels with pieces of red berried holly on their tops and a very, very skimpy red bra and panties fringed with white piping. Her breasts were, well, preeminent gravity-defined and huge, and that sheer little triangle of red fabric between her legs elucidated a camel toe prominent enough to start a melee the likes of which hadn't been seen since the fucking Bolshevik Revolution. Santa thought immediately of Mamie Van Doren in the Korman heist voyage to the planet of prehistoric women, if you're old enough to even remember that infamous movie. Wow, what a great movie and what tremendous masturbation fodder for all adolescent boys in the late 60s. Santa's heart skipped beats as he attempted to properly address this delectable holiday siren. Uh, I, uh, I, I... Here comes another one, sexy. The red-lipsticked woman exclaimed with a lascivious grin and... Mm. Kissed him again, but this time right on the mouth. Oh, oh my... Santa involuntarily lifted off his heels in the toe-curling luxury of this contact. His tongue was marauded by the tongue of the ravishing fragrant bombshell. Was she trying to lick the opening of his trachea? They shared breaths while the woman's deft hand was not timid about the exploration of Santa's groin, and needless to say, Santa established himself to full mast in the wink of an eye. When the kiss finally broke, he stood gasping and dizzy.
1: You're not very observant, are you, Santa?
3: The woman chided.
1: You're standing right under the mistletoe.
3: Agog, he looked up, and sure enough, there hung a sprig of the traditional green plant. Santa stumbled for an appropriate response, but found himself instead at the mercy of his baser impulses and that his eyes held fast onto that inspiring grooved triangle between her legs.
1: Santa, shame on you for staring at my pussy like that. I feel so
3: used. I'm not a piece of meat. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, I, I, I couldn't help. She elbowed him.
1: Relax, I'm just joking. Any woman who says she doesn't want her pussy gaped at by men is a fucking liar.
3: Santa couldn't keep a train of thought. His concentration seemed to be getting whipped around in a high-speed blender, but eventually he managed. I, um, pardon me, but might you be the one in charge of this absolutely sensational room?
1: No, baby, I'm not in charge, but he'll be out shortly,
3: she said, then kissed a fingertip pressed it against Santa's lips, and disappeared through another door.
1: Merry Christmas.
3: Damn, he thought. What a smoking hot piece of ass. Still hard from the working over, he just stood there breathing heavy and grinning at the recollection. But then business snapped back to order. She said the proprietor of this place would be out shortly. Then... A door clicked open somewhere. Footsteps sounded, and a hearty Ho, ho, ho! cracked and boomed out into the room. Only a moment later, Santa was greeted by another Santa. Of course, this Santa wasn't shirtless. And if anything, he was even fatter than the real Santa. Four bills at least. Oh, this must be one of the local Santas for hire. Santa deduced, "'Hello, good colleague. Pardon my attire. I'm afraid it was so horribly hot outside that I had to take off my Santa jacket.' Then he lifted up his punctured boot. "'I stepped on a nail out in the warehouse. I can't imagine why someone would plant nails sticking up from a floor.' "'I do apologize for any inconveniences,' said the other Santa. "'Good help is, as they say, hard to find. "'But what a pleasure it is to finally meet you. "'You've come a long way. "'Can I offer you some refreshment?' ''Oh, no thanks, but I'll admit I did help myself to a piece of one of your delicious gingerbread men.'' Santa paused. ''Of course, you must be wondering why I'm here.'' ''Not at all,'' the other Santa said. What an odd response. This bizarre situation was skewing the real Santa's perceptions.'' Oh, and allow me to compliment you on this stupendous holiday display. I honestly don't think I've ever seen anything better. The other Santa bowed. Thank you. That's quite a compliment, especially coming from the real Santa Claus. Was there something about the other Santa's face and eyes that were... Strange. The great white beard and bushy eyebrows were perfect, but the face and eyes almost looked. The truth is, went on the other Santa, we've gone to incredibly great lengths to get you here. More oddness. Get me here? Another pause. Oh, well... Then please be so kind as to tell me exactly where here is. I'd be more than happy to, Santa. The other Santa walked to the nearest wall where there was a little metal door like the kind often found housing fuse boxes. There were a few red lights inside as well as a big knob. The knob read high-low and an arrow currently pointed to high but the other Santa turned it to low. There, that should answer some of your questions. Keep looking around. The other Santa's eyes veered back to the jack in the box (laughs) and he chuckled. Oh, give that a few cranks, you'll love it. Santa's brow crumpled. I already did and it's absolutely lovely. The other santa nodded and said, just give it another crank, trust me. Hmm, the real santa thought, why would he want me to? He picked up the jack in the box but found that it looked very different. He could have sworn it was painted with quaint Christmas designs but now he saw that it was painted entirely black. Uh, Go on, goaded the other Santa, grinning. Uh, Give it another try. Well, okay. The real Santa turned to crank. The box no longer exuded the silent night song. Instead, it plunked out the typical Pop Goes the Weasel. Santa cranked it around until the little door popped open and... Motherfucker! A cowflop-sized heap of excrement vaulted out of the box and hit the real Santa right in the face. Mortified, he staggered back, using the edges of his hands to scrape all that hot shit off his face. And this didn't even seem to be regular shit. It was worse. It was shivering with little worms like dog shit worms. And it stunk a hundred times worse than standard excrement. (sighs) God almighty! the real Santa roared. It was all over his beard, running chunkily down his chest. Some even went in his mouth, which caused him to spit it out, then bend over and throw up. (laughs) You fucker! What kind of a fucking jack-in-the-box is this? The other Santa erupted laughter. It's not a jack-in-the-box, it's a (coughs) crap-in-the-box. The real Santa gagged, hacking, incapable of coherent response. And as you can probably tell, the other Santa merrily continued, it's not regular shit either. It's corpse shit. We buried the corpses for six days, dig them back up, Then extract the fecal matter for various purposes, like energy conversion, augury, 4D non-Euclidean equation configuration, and good old necromancy. What the fuck is this lunatic talking about? (sighs) You asshole, the real Santa blared. Oh, it's just a little joke, Santa. The other Santa said. All in good fun. But don't go anywhere. I'll be right back. I have to check the elves. Then the other Santa disappeared through another door. Cross-eyed, the real Santa kept frantically wiping shit off his face. Just the smell of it. That rotten, wormy, shitty smell threatened to drop him to the floor. <sighs> of Just what I need, a fucking jokester Santa Claus." Getting it all out of his beard would be plainly impossible. At least he got it out of his mouth and eyes. More thoughts tried to refit themselves into his consciousness. Only a few moments ago, the other Santa had fiddled with some dial. The real Santa staggered over to that little door in the wall. He peered in. What the fuck is this now? Sunken into the wall was a panel of some sort, blinking with the aforementioned lights and then the big knob in the middle. A label on the box read, Hallucinator, Edison Labs, model 6A-13. Hallucinator, what in God's name? He wobbled back around the room looking for a rag, but in doing so, it occurred to him that things had changed in the room. For one, the Jingle Bells song had morphed into a nerve-wracking rap song that went, Rudolph the motherfucking reindeer had a motherfucking shiny nose. And if you ever motherfucking saw it, you would say it motherfucking glows. All the other motherfucking reindeer Used to laugh and call them fucking names. They never let poor motherfucking Rudolph join in any goddamn motherfucking reindeer games. Uh, uh, What an affront to holiday uh, cheer. uh. Hey, yo, Rudolph, fuck him, man. From there, he shuffled around to see what else had changed. The list was long, and with each step he took, his level of revulsion and outrage trebled. The original first-rate Christmas trees now sported little severed baby hands and feet. Instead of lit angels mounted on the tops of each tree, there were severed jackal heads. Also on the floor was not a bearskin rug but a human skin rug, complete with a stuffed skullless human head. The buckets of gingerbread men were now full of gingerbread figures bearing the likenesses of famous serial killers such as penis-eating Jeff Dahmer the cool, handsome Ted Bundy, the chubby-faced John Wayne Gacy, and infamous murderer and child rapist Richard Ramirez, the Night Stalker. The roaring fire now gave off the undeniable aroma of a Sonny's barbecue and stacked high on the grate where several toddlers quickly approached a medium well. Mummified hands and feet now filled the stockings, human hands and feet mostly. But Santa was pretty sure some were decidedly not human, but looked more demonic instead. A whistle blew and Santa's attention was diverted back to the awesome holiday train set he had gleefully noticed earlier. But now it was a grim scene indeed, for the slat-planked little train cars were brimming with very skinny people with sunken eyes, shaved heads, and drab gray and black striped sackcloth. The little man outside ringing his bell was a Waffen-SS officer, who loudly announced, All aboard, that in Borken. Santa gasped again when he looked up and noted the previous garlands of green and red popcorn. They were now fitted with green and red human teeth. No, 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 Santa groaned, shambling away, but there was no surcease. What he looked upon now was the dollhouse, no longer the pleasant modern French country style home, but instead a black dilapidated Victorian mansion. He dared to peek inside the lower bay windows and saw that the happy middle class man and woman were now grey and smiling cadavers. The father cadaver had his trousers down and was brandishing what seemed an impressive zombie erection while amid unpleasant gargling sounds, he was slowly strangling his adolescent son. Next, Santa saw that the little boy's sister was faring worse, for here the cadavering mother was hoisting the screaming little girl up, upside down on a rope. She was naked, as one might expect by now, and eventually she was slowly lowered head first into a crucible of bubbling molten lead. Again, Santa staggered, backward this time and so violently that he nearly fell over. But he had just caught himself when he noticed… that thing. It was the machine labeled Camera Obscura, the device on the circular table that had knobs, levers, and wheels branching out of some manner of control console. Santa didn't want to look this time, for he knew that the device had surely undergone some wretched metamorphosis of horror but he had no choice. Some force beyond his reckoning then forced him to look down at the display. Santa Weld. Gone was the bustling Christmas village. Instead, what projected onto the tabletop was a city, or something like a city, a ghastly geometric domain of impossible architecture which extended along a vanishing line of horrid black. A raging terra de mentada. Concave horizons crammed with stars or things like stars sparkled close against the cubist chasms. Santa saw buildings and streets, tunnels and tower blocks. Strange flattened factories whose chimneys gushed oily smoke. A buttressed sign read, Abandon hope all ye who enter here. And beyond that stretched a brooding necropolis systematized and endless, bereft of error in its incalculable angles and lines and prismoid edifices, wherein gargoyles flew as birds would and demonic personages strolled streets with blood bubbling along the curbs and blazing fires erupted from sewer grates. But behind those grates could be seen screaming faces and hands reaching out as if they were seared to a crisp but went right on reaching anyway in an incognizable demonstration of hopelessness. It was pandemonium. It was havoc. It was chaos ad infinitum. Gutters ran black with noxious bilge. Squat Stygian churches sang praise to Tartarian gods. Insanity was the monarch here. Ataxia, the only order. Darkness, the only light. Ingenious, unspeakable. In Amaranthine, the monarch stared back. Santa saw it all. He saw time tick backwards, death brought to life, whole future swallowed deep into the belly of history. He saw horror, beyond measure and without end, slithering ever forward into a shrieking black infinity. And he saw people too, or things like people making their way back and forth between pit-faced monsters and piles of body parts and shuddering infant corpses making their way back and forth in a staring hollow-cheeked journey that would go on and on and on until time itself convulsed and died. Santa fell back onto the floor, (coughs) half-paralyzed. God save me, his thoughts pleaded and at the same moment something up on the wall caught his eye. It was the cuckoo clock, but no happy holiday motifs remained. It was coffin-shaped and black, and from its pendulums dangled sigils for the demons Balsavan and Hiranyakshapu. The clock face showed four hands, not two, and when one of them struck the hour of 13, The door flipped open and out sprang a little Santa doll that yelled, Fuck you! Your mother sucks the devil's ass! Eat shit and die, motherfucker! Thirteen times. Exhausted now, Santa lurched away and began to crawl off on hands and knees, but after a few motions...
1: Ow! Motherfucker!
3: He had inadvertently brought his hand down on another long nail embedded in the floor. It went straight through his hand. Pieces of shit! He pulled his hand off and blood spouted out from the hole. Then a shadow crossed over him. Not your lucky day, huh, Santa? It was the other Santa, standing before him and looking down with arrogantly crossed arms. You evil fuck. Why, thank you. You can't do this to me, Santa bellowed. (sighs) I'm Santa Claus. Not anymore, you're not. The other Santa's voice sounded like dry gravel pouring. Your tiny mind can't conceive of the sheer import of this moment. It's like anything, you know, like where you're from. Technology, I mean. Each year, technology evolves a little bit more, gets a little bit more sophisticated. It gets better and better. Same thing here. You have no idea how long I've been waiting for this. And it's not just me, I assure you. Bit by bit, the Bio-Wizards have tweaked the system. And by now, as you can see, they've worked out all the bugs. The real Santa grimaced. Bio-Wizards? What the fuck are you talking about? Each year, century after century, they'd get a little bit closer to success. The goal, naturally, being to divert your Christmas Eve course and bring you here. Well, tonight it worked. The real Santa's heart began skipping beats. It's just a combination of manipulating the hex flux, calculating a few quadric equations, and some mathematical theory and then adding a pinch of sorcery. Or should I say what you would call sorcery? It's what we call occult science. The real Santa continued gaping upward, mouth hanging open, drooling. The other Santa helped him up. Come along, I think you'll be impressed by the rest. The real Santa was near delirious now, He had a pretty good idea where he was, and every time his mind raced for a way to get out, he remembered that buttress sign on the optical display. Abandon hope, all ye who enter here. Like an automaton, he followed his host out of the now deranged Christmas room, back out into the first corridor, then the second, then back out into the stinking sweltering warehouse. Ah, my wonderful little elves, the other Santa bragged. Santa's little helpers. He winked at the real Santa. I'll bet my elves get twice as much done as yours. The real Santa's eyes nearly popped out when he saw what was being done to his time-honored reindeer. Butchery, he thought aghast. At least a dozen ape like creatures wielded great cleavers, bringing them down on his eight reindeer. By now, the prized animals were bleeding out, and most of their limbs and heads had been removed. And as for the things doing the cutting. Those aren't fucking elves! The real Santa bellowed. No, they're not. They're trolls, and they more than suffice. The cleavers continued to rise and fall, each chop sinking deep. The trolls looked sort of like orangutans, but with horned heads and vaguely human faces. They wore green and red suits, plus shoes with the toes curling upward, and the famous green Robin Hood-type caps, and they were the size of mountain gorillas. Innards were hauled out of each animal's slit belly and dumped in a massive wheeled hopper. Another such hopper served as a place for the heads, limbs, and trunks to be deposited. These elves were quite efficient at their tasks. Only one reindeer head remained on the blood-slicked floor, Rudolph's. Oh, uh, Rudolph! The real Santa mourned. I am so sorry this happened to you." One of the trolls cut Rudolph's nose off with tin snips, then gave it to the other Santa. Rudolph with your nose so bright? He pinned the much-celebrated nose to his Santa tunic. A strange-looking vehicle was now being connected to the hoppers and when its motor started, steam, not smoke, seemed to gust from a stovepipe-like vent in the front. Santa caught only a fraction of a glimpse of the vehicle's operator, some grim sort of thing that seemed to be made of clay with a slit for a mouth and thumbprint eyes. From here, the other Santa explained, they'll be taken to the nearest pulping station First the hides will be sloughed off, then the meat separated, and then the bones will be sent to the great spear cement works in the industrial district. We don't waste a thing here, and the meat will fetch a king's ransom at the privilado market. At this point, the real Santa was beginning to doubt his sanity. How could any of this be? Was it a nightmare? The drenching heat and the ceaseless pain in his foot and hand assured him it was no dream. As the vehicle pulled away, taking its hoppers with it, that huge garage-like door began to clatter open. I'll bet you don't see sights like this at the North Pole, eh? In increments, nauseating scarlet light filled the warehouse, and in the impossible distance beyond, The real Santa saw mountains miles high, while smaller smoldering volcanoes poked up from the lower valleys. The Valley of Hinnom, said the other Santa with extreme pride, where the kings of Judah sacrificed babies by burning them alive, all as a tribute to the greatness of the demon Moloch. The real Santa squealed having to turn away from the scorching scarlet light, but when he turned, he did so just in time to see the demonic elves leading in eight horrific beasts like over-large reindeer, but with heads like rhinoceroses and jaws akin to a shark's. More terrifying still was the fact that these awful entities appeared to be composed of rotted flesh. Which was teeming with some devilish genus of fly larvae. Revoltus cervidae putridus, the other Santa retailed. Our version of reindeer. They're fucking living animal corpses. Nifty, huh? Nifty. Next, two more trolls entered, managing an overlarge wheelbarrow satcheled with a huge sack of toys. Meanwhile, the real Santa's magic toy sack was hauled out of his sleigh and dragged off. Check out what I'll be delivering to all the little girls and boys this year, the other Santa bragged. He picked out one box and offered it to the real Santa. You've gotta be shitting me. This is a genuine 1959 Barbie doll. The very first one produced. Yes, it is. And the magic of my bag is just like yours. It can make these things all night long. This is fucking impossible. The real Santa was about to open the box, but his counterpart, Santa, intervened. Don't open it, or you'll get a Christmas surprise that will be legendary. The real Santa's finger stalled on the box end. What? It's a fucking doll. It's a doll covered with contact poison strychnine and an osmotic agent. Tonight, untold little girls will be opening their Barbies only to be racked with agony a few minutes later. They'll die slow screaming till their vocal cords blow out. Strychnine causes catastrophic seizures, convulsions so violent the bones break. How's that for a Merry Christmas? (laughs) The real Santa was near swooning. He wobbled in place like someone who'd just stepped off a carousel. (sighs) That's the most diabetic thing I've ever heard. It sure is and wait till you see what we've got for the boys He held up another box The real Santa recognized it at once Hey That's a super mech cyborg hand the hottest thing on the market Even I can't get those yet. Well, I can Some Santa you are. The other Santa chuckled. Once the little boy gets it assembled and puts it on, he'll be forced to immediately snap the neck of his father and brothers. Then he'll fist fuck to death his mom and sisters. (laughs) And you know what will happen then? The real Santa stood senseless now, in a rigor mortis of horror. Uh, What? Then the white phosphorus charge goes off, burns the little boy alive and incinerates the house. With any luck, it'll set the whole neighborhood ablaze. (laughs) Willie Peters almost impossible to put out. Then this Maleficent Imposture reeled back and let out a loud... Oh! 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 There was little else to speculate on. The other Santa pulled off the bearded mask that hid his genuine countenance, to reveal nothing but an evil skull with nub horns. At the same time, two of the trolls pinned the real Santa down with their hideously warded hands, and yet another troll, with a common box cutter knife, incised all the way around the bottom of his neck and in no time at all was yanking off the entirety of the real Santa's face as well as all the flesh off his head. The thing pulled it all off like a stocking mask. The other Santa took that big flap of skin and hair and then pulled it over his own head. After a few adjustments, it fit perfectly. Then he held a little mirror up to what used to be the real Santa's face it was just a glistening bloody skull. I'll believe in you now, the other Santa informed. He climbed up onto the sleigh and snapped the reins. The real Santa sidled over now, faceless and mortified beyond all possibilities of description. Bells jingled as the other Santa pulled off and laughed to himself and directed the zombie reindeer and the sleigh out of the warehouse into the lambent blood red sky merry christmas santa ho ho, ho. <laughs> and that was here comes santa claus by edward lee a metaphor for how precarious our old-age traditions can be in this day and age. Such a thoughtful sentiment, isn't it? A little about the author. Edward Lee is an American novelist specializing in the field of horror and has authored 40 books, more than half of which have been published by mass-market New York paperback companies. Lee is particularly known for over-the-top occult concepts, and an accelerated treatment of erotic and or morbid sexual imagery and visceral violence. He is a Bram Stoker Award nominee for his story Mr. Torso, and his short stories have appeared in over a dozen mass-market anthologies. While a number of Lee's projects have been optioned for film, only one has been made, Header, which was released on DVD to mixed reviews in June 2009 by Synapse Films. You can find Edward Lee on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash official Edward Lee. And be sure to visit theevilcookie.com for artist and publisher K Trap Jones's fine Commodities. And if you happen on BuyAudible.com, you'll find Edward Lee's recent release, The Big Heads Junk, narrated by yours truly. And do me a favor, would you? Subscribe to this podcast wherever you do your listening and leave me a five-star review and a kind word, even if you're listening on YouTube. I need soldiers on all fronts to win this battle, and I appreciate it. To hear a premium, mad-free edition of tonight's and all our other episodes, visit simplyscarypodcast.com today and click the Patrons link in the menu at the top of the screen. You'll find yourself at chillintailsfordarknights.com where you can become a patron for as little as $5 per month and get access to our entire audio archive, all ad-free and available to download or stream. Thank you for your time and for supporting our sponsors. When you support our sponsors, you support this show. If you happen to use Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or YouTube, you can follow and subscribe to Chillin' Tales for Dark Nights there, where you'll get all our latest updates and new releases and have the chance to interact with us each and every week. You'll find me personally on Facebook. And we're accepting submissions, friend. If you've got a story or two you'd like to be featured on this show, send it to drewbloodhorror at gmail.com. If selected, you'll get the full treatment. Ten Bananas. Well, I'm afraid this is where we part ways. At least till next week. So grab a drink for the road, friend. And maybe check the weather before you go. I'd like to wish a safe and happy holidays to all the listeners and all my patrons. Y'all be careful out there this season. Don't do anything stupid. And if you do, name it Drew. It's a fine name and it works for boy or girl. So may the wind be at your back. And may the road rise up to meet you. Merry Christmas to all. And to all, a good... Go fuck yourselves. (laughs) Good night, y'all.